0: Christmas,
1: Mother Old Mr. Kringle is soon going to jingle, the bells that'll tingle all your troubles away. Everybody's waiting for the man with the bag, cause Christmas
2: is coming again. Welcome to Scream of Queens, the Queer Horror Podcast. My name is Jonathan Walken, and tonight is our Christmas special. Woo! Yay! So today I'm joined by our usual gang. I'm joined by Martin Farnesy. Hello, Martin. Hello. I'm joined by Jonathan Butler. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. And introducing uh, Stephen Moore. Hello, Stephen. Oh, introducing. I was going to say this is his first podcast. <laughs> I just thought that I just thought to make him feel special. I'm going solo. Stephen is going to be the Jesse Nelson from Little Mix of the group, aren't you?
3: And breakout star with depression. <laughs>
2: uh, so welcome to our Christmas special. Uh, it was the night before Christmas and all through the sorority, not a creature was likeable, it wasn't their priority. They bitched and sniped and scoffed whilst being murdered in the loft and nobody mentioned the lack of minorities. For this was 2006 at a time when remakes were ruled by the Weinsteins, the blondes and the fakes. Where the girls were identical, the plot twists nonsensical and nobody gave two fucks about emotional stakes. But it's time to cuddle up because outside it's chilly. There's a creaking floorboard up above, is it Magnus or Billy? Who knows and who cares, just bring on the jump scares. Black Christmas 2006 is about to get silly. Don't forget, and Queens is supported by Horrified, the website that celebrates and champions British horror. It covers films, television, books, fiction and more. You can visit Horrified at horrifiedmagazine.co.uk and find them on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at horrifiedmag. Fifteen years ago... On Christmas Eve, his family became
0: his victims. What have you done?
2: A group of college friends...
1: That sucks. Everyone should be home for Christmas.
2: ...are about to discover...
1: Lauren, we're opening up presents! Why don't you open the present? We got
3: you.
2: Their house...
1: I got it. Is his home. All is calm. All is bright. Who is in my house tonight?
2: Don't you have lots of toys to deliver to good little boys and girls?
1: You really shouldn't provoke somebody like that. And on December 25th, you're definitely getting punked. Is that Santa's reindeer? All he wants for Christmas
0: is Megan in a room. Is a new family he can treat like his very own.
2: Tonight we're talking about Black Black Christmas two thousand and six, which was written and directed by Glenn Morgan and produced by Morgan and Wong, both X-Files and Millennium alumni who went on to create the Final Destination franchise.
1: Wow, I could have I couldn't imagine this person ever working again after seeing this film. Okay.
2: Well he didn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he didn't. That was he didn't, good, didn't.
2: Then. But but it wasn't all his fault. Oh, so
3: okay. it does come after Final Destination, it did. It did, yeah.
2: Yeah, it did. So, following his debut feature, Willard, which was a killer rap movie and also a remake, Glenn Morgan was approached by Dimension to direct a remake of Black Christmas. Willard had been a flop, so Morgan chased a hit and assumed every reworking of a cult horror would be a done deal. Sadly, that wasn't the case. Morgan had lofty goals of exploring themes of family and taking elements of the original and expanding them. According to some cast members, Morgan's vision was artsy, deep, and dare I say it, elevated. But the Weinsteins wanted their trashy pounds of flesh, and numerous rewrites, recuts, new scenes filmed without Morgan's knowledge resulted in a hot mess that delivered buckets of blood, eyeball glue, and even mother-son rape. Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. It's Black Christmas, but not as we know it. It is nonsensical.
0: (laughs) But I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. It
2: wasn't the
3: best film I've ever seen, but it was all right. It was good. Absolutely dog shit. one of the worst films I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, it, you know what? It started out quite promising, but then after about twenty minutes, it was just boring and uninspiring and banal and just awful. <laughs>
3: yeah, I didn't have too much fun with the hotness. No, oh, okay. I, there were no hidden depths, are there. And I think no.
0: I think I was helped enjoying it knowing that there'd been an awful lot of meddling with this yes. film. Definitely, definitely. And the most stupid and ridiculous bits weren't what was intended by, the, by this production at all.
2: Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, the plot in a nutshell, a bunch of sorority sisters are preparing to head home for Christmas. Little do they know, a psychopath is living in their attic, and another one is breaking out of the local mental hospital and making a beeline for their sorority house. If it wasn't bad enough, there's also a storm on the way the kind that knocks out the power and keeps the police hours away from helping them? How many girls will survive in time to open their presence? And how many people will care? The answer to both questions is one. Who <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh. Me, <laughs> me. I quite like it. I um. So I went to see this, uh, and I think it was it's opening week in America. I was traveling at the time, and I was in San Francisco. And um, whilst traveling, I was I, I picked up a copy of Fangoria magazine and read an article all about the making of it with loads of cast interviews, interviews with with uh, Glenn Morgan, with Bob Clark who made the original. Um, and they had all these, you know, these super high hopes of how great this film was going to be. Okay. um The girls involved talked about all the character work they'd done on their characters and how it was going to be really deep and you care about everyone and all this sort of stuff. So then I went along to this film thinking this is going to be amazing and then watched it. I was like, what the fuck was <laughs> this? <laughs> I didn't just watched. Okay. Um, so my my first experience of the film, well, it definitely wasn't a positive one. But... Over the years, I feel like since probably in the last five years, since remakes have got more and more dull and bland. I at least appreciate the gruesome horror in this one, mm-hmm. and I like I like that I like that it's got a bit of a punky fuck you attitude to it as well. Um, but it's just that none of that is really executed very well at all. Um, but I sort of like i like it's you know it does have a bit of spirit in there but i feel like it was crushed during the production of the film billy (sighs) Billy.
3: billy girls i can't find billy's present under the tree here come on girls we can't start the secret santa without billy's present hello who drew billy's name um, uh, Miss Mac, it's a secret, Santa. Can't we just get on with this thing so I can party for a few days before having to deal with family on Christmas? Have you looked outside? It's raining hail the size of Yas sack. It'll stop. The party gods won't allow me to be here by myself over Christmas break.
1: Oh, I'll be here, Dina.
3: Yeah, they're making reward work next week.
1: That sucks. Everyone should be home for Christmas. All right, all right. Who's not here?
2: Um like everybody. Chelsea, she went home this morning.
1: Greer? No, that was her on
3: the phone. She and Aaron and Taylor are off on that cozy little ski trip with the boys from GAD next door.
0: Didn't I see Claire earlier? Isn't she upstairs writing a card to her sister?
1: No, I think her sister picked her up earlier. Remember, this is the occasion for Claire and her sister and her mom to
2: bury the hatchet and rediscover each other. I like to bury the hatchet with my sister. Right in her head.
3: I love every single member of this cast, and not one of them does anything for me in this film.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um,
3: so you, you And there's no real fun for me. Yeah. I could watch them be trashy for an hour. I the
2: opening song, The Man With The Bag by K-Star plays as we see the sorority house from outside. And then we have a remake moment that references the original straight off. And we meet Claire, who's writing a card to her sister, preparing to head home for the holidays, when she notices like movements and noise coming from the closet. Um, and this is a sort of almost shot by shot of the original, where there's a girl who is attacked from inside the closet in a really brilliant jump scare. But in, the, in this remake version, she, uh, she's not attacked in the same way. The attack comes from behind, a bagger shoves over the head and she's stabbed in the eye with a fountain pen. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like as openings go, that that's quite a good statement of saying mm-hmm. this is not gonna be the same film that you're used to. This you know, this is a new spin on that film. And um, we're gonna up the ante with the violence. Um and I feel like that as openings go I feel like that's quite a strong one. Yeah.
3: It was yeah.
1: the
2: best part of the film. Yeah,
1: I, I, um, I have another favorite. People, we'll get to like that
2: later. And suddenly, we're at the local insane asylum, um, and, and we with like a Jade. Jade's doors, Lewis all and our Christmas meals to high security prisoners. And uh, in the middle of this, randomly, there's a children's Santa Claus who's followed him into the high security ward because you could just walk into this high security ward. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Santa is like, "Oh, I was here to visit the children's ward." So there's a children's wards in this hospital that also houses psychopaths. <laughs> yeah, don't think about it. He spots Billy Lenz's name on one of the cell doors and he's like, isn't that that guy who kills his family at Christmas? Which is the first bit of terrible exposition um, and it's told in a way that nobody would ever speak in real life. And that's kind of where the film goes from there. <laughs>
1: that happens a lot throughout the film. <laughs> the writing is um, so bad, I think. It's awful.
2: Yeah, it is quite bad. Quite I did
1: enjoy how badly this
3: was acted, though it was bad writing. And and really over the well. acting to go with bad writing, that just kind of made it fun still at that
2: point. Yeah, there's there's definitely like yeah. there's like a, definitely a B movie wink in its eye, mm. I think. You know, a twinkle in its eye. Um and yeah. uh there's definitely a sense of humour to it as well. I like the fact that they, they even cut straight from Billy eating sloppily to, to someone kissing sloppily yeah. in the car. I quite like that, but of course. Um, so basically, yeah, Billy's in one of the cells and um, we get like a little bit of backstory there about how he, he S's mother um, and um, we get to see him eating and he's he's got this yellow skin as well. Um, and then we meet Kelly, who's played by Katie Cassidy, um, and she, it turns out, she's actually the heroine. She's the pr- protagonist of the film. But that's not really evident in how they introduce her or how they play her throughout the whole film. Her fella's Kyle, played by Oliver Hudson, who should be, should be hot, but he isn't. And he's 2 time there with another sorority sister called Megan, played by Jess Carmen, who looks like she's a teacher, not a sorority girl. Um, <laughs> so then we meet the other girls, and they're all sort of sat around whilst Mrs. Mach the house where there is uh, looking for the presents of the tree from Billy. And we, we realised that the girls in this this uh, surajity house, they've got a little tradition and that's, it's that they, they get a present from Billy, the serial killer who once lived in their house. Now, don't uh, they which leave I quite present. like. I think, they, they have to leave Sorry, it. they leave yeah. yeah, Yeah. And I like that. That's a nice touch. Yeah. Um. So the thing is, there's this bunch of girls sat around, they're all played by actresses you recognise but you never really meet them properly throughout the whole film. They're just sort of there.
3: Yeah. I didn't know who the final girl was meant to be at any point until she was the final girl.
2: Yeah, completely, yeah. Totally. Um, <laughs> are you meant to Well, so, <laughs> Well, so, there's a, there are lots of sort of creative decisions that were made in the making of this film that are a bit baffling. And one of them was that Glenn Morgan wanted the cast to be a cast of people who were all sort of on a similar level. He didn't want, you know, he didn't want a cast that was all all girls like this, and then suddenly, you know, um, Hilary Swank is in there, so you go, oh, Hilary Swank's got to be the survivor. Uh, it, so it was it was all girls who were of a similar stature in how people knew them and how people saw them. Mm. But the flip side of that is that he didn't give anyone any personality to stand out. <laughs> Basically, everyone is uh, cynical and jaded, and they're all like weak imitations of Bob yeah. in the original.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, they all smoke and they all drink, or that was the impression that you, you got, yeah. even if they didn't, even if they, even if in reality they don't. Yeah, and I feel
2: like that was, I feel like that was supposed to be the selling point of of them, um, but. There has to be more to a personality than smoking and drinking. <laughs> it does. I did like it. I was glad that they
0: were... I, I I liked that they, all, they were all... They were all swearing. They were all smoking. They were all had a glass of wine. And oh, yeah. And that. I like. I did like that about them. I'm glad they weren't... Um, I'm glad they didn't go down the route of, you know, sexy girl who you know, cops off with the boyfriend and the shagging all the time and the prim girl and yeah, all yeah. of that. They didn't go all the way with those with those sort of cast and types. But yeah, like you said, they they all sort of
2: merged into one. So you've got Dana, who's the spoiled princess, who's played by Lacey Chabert from Mean Girls. You've got Heather, who's played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead from Final Destination 3. You've got, you've got Melissa, played by Michelle Tractabert from Buffy. And then a little bit later on, you meet Lauren, played by Crystal Lowe. Then also, Donna and Bitchy, which makes for some funny lines, but not much else. Um, And then in the middle of it, you've got Kelly, who is the final girl. And we know that because she is sunny and blonde, therefore different from the others. Um, That's that's basically what sets her apart, is that she's blonde.
3: She's from a TV horror series called Harper's Island. Oh, yeah. Which I really enjoy it. I've watched it a few times through. I don't know if it's actually good or if I've just got like a fondness for it, but it's worth watching.
2: Is this Katie Cassidy? Um, I, I,
3: I assume that's her name. The Blood. The yeah. Film.
2: Yeah, so she was um, She was in. They tried to do like a remake of Melrose Place, and she was, yeah. she was in that. And she was also in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake as well. Yes, yes, yes. This is her. She's just in lots of remakes, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't she um, David Cassidy's daughter?
2: Oh, is she? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um. So, she, yeah, so she's our final girl, but as I said, we don't really know that until she's the final girl. So uh, we cut back between the sorority house and the crazy house, and we've got Billy. There's a moment where Billy somehow opens his viewing cache from inside his cell. I'm not quite sure how that works. If you're in a high-security wing, you can open it from inside. But anyway, um, he gives the guard a gift, which is a note saying, I'll be home for Christmas. And then um, he vanishes, and the guard thinks he's tunneled his way out, but Billy's waiting with a sharp and candy cane to stab him in the throat. This, um, was my
1: first, this was the first red flag because it was so obvious that he was hiding under the bed. It was like, this is the this is the laziest most boring writing I've ever seen in my life. It's so <laughs> odd. So it
3: was yeah. in a way that points out the bed so much that it was like, there's no surprise here.
2: <laughs> yeah. Do you, think it was almost, do you think it's almost like it was written under duress by someone who's in not the scene? Yeah. Mm. Be- because that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, and then we sort of cut between the two. So we're back to the sorority house where we meet yet another girl, play, uh, Lauren, played by Crystal Lowe. And she is one of the sunbed girls from Final Destination 3. Yes.
3: Oh. It would be nice to have both of
2: them. Oh, I'm telling you, I know. Um and um, so she, uh, she was also naked and murdered in Wrong Turn Two as well. Um, <laughs> so we've got her. We've got a girl. <laughs> we've got a girl. Turn Three for her. Really? Yes. I think so. Well, she's the one who, on one of the special uh, features on the Blu-ray, she talks about how the film's going to be really artsy and different. Oh. oh, yeah. So yeah. everybody involved had high hopes, and uh, uh, I'll also say from the get-go um, that I think every girl in this is brilliant. I, th- I think they all give it the they all give it their all. It's just it's just so badly put together um, that they have got much to work with. I, I
3: like every one of them in all of the things. So I yeah. have no yeah. problem with
2: them. Yeah. Um, so Megan's okay. upstairs, she won't come out of her room to open the presents because she's too busy watching the sex tape she's made with Kelly's boyfriend. So we're like, "Oh, this could turn out to be a massive catfight moment. But it doesn't, <laughs> because um, Megan hears a noise in the attic and it's a music box playing the dance of the shotgun fairy and she goes to investigate for no apparent reason and it's horribly murdered. She gets a bag over her head, stabs it, stabs and then her eye is ripped out of its socket. Um, which happens about 48 times for the rest of the film. Mm-hmm. However, I do like the sort of ripping the eye out of the socket. That's what I think that's quite nice. Mm.
1: Good the first time, not the yeah.
0: I think 400s. I think that was another thing that wasn't necessarily Glenn Morgan's intention either, is it? Because I think the Weinsteins had a, had a part in, in that over-focus on the eye. Yeah, so yeah. It, yeah, there is a connection with it, isn't there? In terms of Agnes's early demise or not demise?
1: Definitely. like it's brutal
3: and it's fast, and I enjoyed that. But it was literally the same thing twelve times over that I just—I need to tell you what one was on the next. Yeah, not the
2: issue. Um, Sansa is being chatted up by a slutty nurse, um, and she is cool. She's fabulous and aspirational, and she's like, "I'm going to sit on your lap." But before he gets to do dirty things with the nurse, he gets killed by Billy, who then escapes dressed as Santa, which is a big nod to Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, And then from there on in, I think um, Glenn Morgan did sort of intend to talk about all of the sort of weird origins of Christmas, about how it's weird that, um, you know, we celebrate someone breaking into your house in the middle of the night and all that sort of stuff. But it all gets basically condensed into Suzo intellectual scream style dialogue. Into the next in the next scene where the girls are sat around talking about Christmas and the origins of it and paganism and all that sort of stuff. Um but the only thing I Thank took you. from this scene is the fact that Mrs. Mack puts that some more right into her mouth with those burning hot tongues <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't burn her mouth off. Um we should mention here that a great throwback to the original is Mrs. Mack is played by Andrea Martin, who played Phil in the original. Um but again, with this character I feel like she didn't live up to her potential. I feel like that could have been a great part, but it, it sort of wasn't. And here is where we get our first Billy flashback to nineteen seventy, where Billy's a baby born with jaundice, so he's yellow, and he's got a horrible mum who likes breaking up baubles and scatters them in his cot. Um, she's not as nice. She's not a nice woman. His dad, however, is fit as fuck. Um, and then we see him at five and mum's drunk and telling him Santa's not coming because the Russians shot a sleigh down. So Billy, Billy's basically had a really bad childhood. And it gets worse because Billy witnesses his beloved father being murdered. He's got a bag over his head and a hammer to the skull. And obviously this is, this is what inspires the killer's own methods. Um, anyway, in this flashback, we see that Billy's mum and her boyfriend buried the body under the house. But Billy is this yellow freak kid who's got secret passageways all around the house, and he's watching them. And then his mum basically locks him in the attic. That backstory possibly
0: would have been better as a as like this, as like a, a shorter start to the film. Then all the prelim with the you with the prison and all of that. Um, but then again, yeah, you know, there was part of this that did make me smile. So like the the, the drunk mom telling him the Russians had shut down Santa. <laughs> Yeah, it was just like yeah. It was just modes that did you that know, did sort of see have that a bit of a sense of humor and it made me, it made me smile that sort of carried me through the film some sometimes i
2: think yeah yeah i think that was throughout the film there are little little moments little lines from the girls that make you really laugh i think and yeah. i think you that's what that, that like you said that's what makes you stick with it it's got like a <clears> bit of a wicked sense of humor throughout it's just it's kind of buried
3: i really hate 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 the effect to make him luminous, luminous yellow oh yeah like just body paint I or don't something.
2: even get it what, what does it add to the story the uh, the mom the mom is a, basically a drunk old bitch um and the fact that he's yellow is makes it even worse for her so it's just to add to the add to her hatred for the child basically um so it, go, it cuts from there, back to the sorority house again. So one of the big issues with the film is the first 45 minutes when you should be with the girls and getting to know them so you care when they all die is sort of broken up between really boring, sort of set rounds in one room and these flashbacks to Billy's mm-hmm. life. So you're torn from, you're, you're literally pulled from pillar to post throughout. And then, so then basically when the killings start properly starts, like the killing spree towards the end, there's loads of these moments where you'd expect it to care about the girls, but you don't. They're just sort of cookie-cutter versions of each other. Um, yeah, so it's, it's speak- because
1: the film—it's so weird. It's like it's—it's it's trying to it's showing you Billy's life and being tragic. So, is it is it trying to build sympathy for Billy, or are you meant to, or are you meant to feel for the girls? What you know? It, yeah, it doesn't make, yeah. It's like okay, Billy's got a backstory, but we don't. But the, the girls that are supposed to care about, we don't really know anything about
2: them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, look, he uses the word "cookie cutter."
2: Yeah, <laughs> quite
0: significant, isn't
2: it? Yes, yes, yeah. It's almost <laughs> like I planned it, Martin. Always, yeah. It. You, you, almost a professional, Jonathan. <laughs> um, so basically, we could we go from that. Back to present day, where we meet strange another strange girl in the house called Eve. Um, but we don't know she's Eve until halfway through, because nobody says her name, she doesn't get an <laughs> introduction. She's just there, and she's just weird, and shot from a funny angle to show that she's a weirdo. Yeah. Um, you're like, oh, God, who is this person now? Um, but she's, like, a little bit sinister. I don't know if you've seen it. Um. Yeah, well, she's in this and then the next scene, but I, f- I feel like it's essentially one long scene broken up into two. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and then back again to 1982, where Billy's mum adds child sex abuse to her repertoire as she's unsatisfied by her boyfriend, so she goes and straddles her 12 year old son in the attic. See that? Um, as funny when he falls asleep while she's fucking him on the stairs.
3: Yeah. And then it's, it's, it's not really funny. <laughs>
2: It's, like, completely tasteless and dark and hideous. Um, But that element of the film, I don't mind. I feel like, okay, make a tasteless, trashy, B-movie feature film. That's fine. You know, it's horrible. Make it as grim and grimy as you want. Um, It's more, for me, it was more structural, the structural stuff that bothered me and the the actual script. Mm. Um, And then, obviously, so we see um, it's grim and he's getting basically raped by his mum, and then nine months later, a baby comes along, and that's Agnes, Billy's daughter and sister. And whilst Billy's trapped in the attic, um, we, we see that they're doting on baby Agnes, which, and then it cuts straight back to present day to Eve, who we just met, who's the weird girl, and it's basically saying to us, it must be her, she must be Agnes. Maybe she's the person who's already killed two people whilst the psychopath was still in the mental institution. Um. This is where, and they also start getting phone calls. So, in a throwback to the original, they're getting obscene phone calls from Billy, and they don't know who it is. But in this version of the film, whenever the calls come, they come from the cell phone of the girl that was just murdered. Um. So the first was from Claire's, and this time is from Megan's cell. Um. So so um. And then, whilst they're getting the phone call, there's somebody else breaking into the house. And we're like, oh, my God, did Billy get there already? But it's Kyle, the scumbag boyfriend.
3: The boyfriend was nearly so aggressive. <laughs> Throughout. Like it doesn't make any sense to the character at the moment, because he's just, like, an arsehole for no reason.
2: Well, he's completely unlikable, isn't he? He's, like, shagging his girlfriend's mate. He's aggressive. He breaks into people's houses. He hates the girls for some reason. Okay. And I feel like... I feel like the whole point of, of his behaviour was basically to make him look like a suspect. Kyle breaks into Megan's window and rather than being thrown out of the house, he basically just stands there for ages and tells them the rest of Billy's story, um, which is obviously what was happen. And so we get another flashback to 1991 where Billy is now 21. He's watching the happy families across the street through his telescope and he's trapped in the attic whilst um, a very strange looking Agnes is over her dolly under the Christmas tree. So he's spent his life uh, trapped up there whilst the sister gets to live a normal life, sister slash daughter Um, and I thought there was a really nice shot here of where Billy's watching her through the Christmas tree Uh, Agnes disappears and this is where we get screams of you know what have you done with Agnes which which was uh, part of the original film's obscene phone calls which basically this whole backstory has been based around and um, we see that he billy's taken agnes and he is stabbing her and pulling her eyes hi, her eye out of the socket so the evil mormon stepdad tries to stop him and he stabs the stepdad through the head and then the mother gets a very special sort of treatment she's dragged into the um kitchen beaten repeatedly with a rolling pin and then he takes the cookie cutter molds and starts to make them out of her skin. Each Christmas she makes cookies, and mm-hmm. the There's always a yeah. plate of cookies around, and that's right. Yeah, she just
0: offered a cookie to Agnes. And, that's right, and stuff. Yeah, yeah.
3: Not the Christmas, but so, she looked a bit overdone.
2: She did. They used bacon apparently for this for the skin cookies. It was bacon, crispy bacon. Um, But, you know, she completely deserves everything she gets, basically, so you're sort of, you're horrified by what's happening, but you're also thinking, you know what, good for you. Um, So, narrated by Kyle, we then hear how Agnes lost an eye and ended up in an orphanage, but then disappeared. And then, boom, another character, because we haven't got enough to contend with, and this time it's uh, Lee's sister. Uh, Claire's sister, Lee. So Claire was the girl who at the beginning. She was writing a Christmas card to somebody called Lee, and this is Lee who turns up. And she's played by the very stylish and fabulous Kristen Clough And she was in The X-Files and Millennium and Final Destination, and she's also the wife of Glenn Morgan, the director. Yeah, I think she's really good. I think she's a really interesting actress. I think she's very stylish. Martin, don't you think mm. she's like Laura McCann? She is very like Laura McCann. Yeah, she's like half friend Laura. Um, so she's one of the main reasons I wanted to see the film in the first place because I really liked it in the, in the TV work. Um So she is a legacy member of the sorority, but Mrs Mack doesn't re- remember her. So we get more funny camera angles and low-key sinister music. So obviously we're supposed to think that maybe Lee could be Agnes. Um, she rants about her shit day and how she hates the sorority house. and In the middle of this rant... Lacey Chabert basically says, I love that code. yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Which is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, See, that's one of those little moments where you're like, oh, this is how good it could have been. Yeah.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: This is how funny it could have been, but it's not. And um, suddenly they find a present under the tree. This time it's for them, from Billy. And it's the doll from the flashbacks. But
1: it means nothing to anyone because nobody in the house has seen the flashbacks yeah. that we've seen. <laughs> Isn't it also it's also in the it's in the box of the model kits he got as a kid, so it's the yeah. the model kit that Billy got and the doll that Agnes got. But as you say, no one knows that because they can't see yeah. the flashbacks. Nobody's seen the flashbacks.
0: And um, it's got no eyes, has he? But they haven't got anything to really be concerned about with a doll with no eyes. Because they've got
2: seen. Yeah. They've I, seen I, nothing I, about eyes. <laughs> <laughs> <I think laughs> Although to be to be I fair, getting a doll, creepy yeah, doll I, with I, no eyes is creepy on its own. But you know. Yeah. <laughs> but none of that matters because to distract us, Lauren then vomits suddenly out of nowhere, vomits everywhere.
1: Mm. She's
2: been drinking tequila shots with wine. Um and um So she's taken off to vomit in the toilet by Melissa. And we get like a little tiny moment of character here. Like there are these little bits of character development throughout it where you're like, okay, but we needed more of this. Um, And you've got like Melissa's being really kind to Lauren while she's vomiting. And uh, Lauren says to Melissa, you're a better sister to me than my own sister. And we get a few little little moments of that Mm -hmm. kind of sentiment about sisterhood throughout the film. But none of it means anything. It's just words on, on the pit on the page, basically. Mm. So whilst this is happening, Kelly discovers Kyle and Megan's sex tape. Um, so she she realizes her scumbag boyfriend is. Mean, that's, that's definitely scumbag. the
1: thing. I'd, that's definitely the kind of thing I just leave on my screen. Definitely.
2: And then we also get another slice of character development where um, the the power goes out and they're like. Somebody needs to go and fix the fuse box, and um. Lacey Chabert's character says I'm not a totally helpless daddy's girl no matter what these bitches say so you know you do get these little bits where you're like this is my character right? it's wonderful but it's, like, <laughs> it's it's one line here there and everywhere storms kick it up, fuse boxes blown so Dana goes under the house to fix it um, and she very quickly gets a rake in the back of her head mm. so Lacey Chabert filmed this scene first she did this on her first day and uh, when she did it, she hurt her ankle. She got her ankle caught on that door, that flappy door thing. So she had to then go to hospital in LA. And the ER doctor who worked on it was Katie Cassidy's stepdad. Huh? And neither of them knew it. So he was like, how did you do this? And she was like, oh, no, you don't understand. I'm I'm making a film. Uh, I was in Vancouver and I was, I was making this film and it's a slasher movie. And blah. And then the guy said the film isn't Black Christmas, is it? And she was like, yeah. And he says, oh, my stepdaughter's in it. So, yeah. That is bizarre. Small world. So this is the bit where the girls all sort of rally together. They're huddled together in the snow. There's lots of screaming. They find Eve's decapitated body in the car. They're all sort of, the moment where they all sort of bond and have to have to sort of bond together to fight back. But again, Because we've had 45 minutes of basically flashbacks to Billy, or them just being drunk and bitchy. We don't really care that much, but uh, we're basically here to see the bull get killed off one by one, which is what we get. You know, it does deliver. Mrs. Mac and Heather want to go and get the police, but the other girls don't want to leave the house. So uh, Mrs. Mac and Heather head off, but the car's frozen. So Mrs. Mac gets out to get into the ice, but while she's outside, Heather dies in the car, but all we see is a spray of blood in the snow. And then um, the worst part is Mrs. Mac dies by accident. Yes. Yeah. Imagine dying by accident in a slasher movie. <laughs> <laughs> she gets killed by a falling icicle, no. doesn't she? It goes, ass yes, through her head. It's not what
0: you would expect from a slasher movie that somebody actually stabs her ghostly with an icicle.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. I feel, I definitely feel like it was a nod to Final Destination.
2: Po- yeah, possibly. pretty possibly. Yeah. Um. Next to die is Melissa, Michelle Trachtenberg's character. So, in the version you guys watched, how does she die? There's a version where he, where the killer throws an ice skate at the back of her head and chops the top of her head off, and you see her brain. Yeah,
1: no.
2: that's the one I saw. Yeah. That's not the one I saw. Right. Nope. See, it's for So did you see? So in the other version, she just gets dragged along by her eye socket. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so there were two different versions filmed. Basically, um, throughout the film, the wine scenes were coming on set and basically saying, Not "No." We need- <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. Throughout the throughout, throughout the film, and they were coming on and um, basically saying, "You need to do this differently. You need to." Oh no, she needs to be dragged along by her eye socket. She needs to be killed this way. She needs to be killed that way. So, so two versions of it were shot. And the eye socket version when I was to UK and Europe and the American version was the version that me and John watched, which is the killer throws an ice skate at the back of her head and it chops the top of her head off and you see her brain as she hits the floor, Um, which is, you know, different from the eye thing. Yes. Um. So the skate, the skate idea was basically the director. It was Glenn Morgan saying, "No, this is how I want to do it. I want it to be different." So he sort of did it after, after the Weinstein's had left. So that's why one, yeah, it, there's, there's different versions out there. Um. This so to,
1: this this happened to another film we watched, didn't it? Which was also terrible. It was it cursed? That was Weinstein Medal, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because I think there's 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 moments in this film that were that weren't that practically weren't directed by um, Morgan by Glenn Morgan. There's like some of those bits that were added in were overseen by the Weinstein's rather than him.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's still so much fuckery that went on in the making of it. Mm. Um, so Lauren, who is sunbed girl from Final Destination, she dies off-screen in the rated version, but in the unrated version, we get to see the, the, the killer come in and stab her in the eyes with the with the uh, unicorn glass sculpture. Um, um,
3: the glass sculpture wrote, presented, and the second it came on screen, I went, ah, someone's getting stabbed with that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a throwback to the original, because that's how Margot Kidder died in the hmm. original. I was going to say, um,
1: isn't that in the first one as well?
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's a little throwback. So she dies too. So every basically everybody's been killed in about twenty minutes. And um then so all we have left are Lee, Kelly, and Scumbag boyfriend Kyle, and they realise the killer's in the attic. Mm-hmm. Um and um basically Lee doesn't want to leave the house because she she won't go until she's, she knows that her sister Claire is dead and um Kelly stays with her. And she says, you know, if I if it was my sister, I'd do the same. And then Kyle says to her, "You don't have a sister." And then Lee says, "She does. <laughs> she does." Again, <laughs> an awful line, cheesy as fuck. But it wouldn't be quite so bad if we'd have like built if they'd have built that for the last hour. Yeah, you know, friendship, sisterhood, we get it. You know, that's what you were going for, but that's not really what's there. But then you do have to wonder whether it was there when it, and it was cut yeah. out. Um. Anyway, it means nothing, and they end up in the attic with a lovely moment where Kyle's killed and Agnes eats his eye in front of Lee and Kelly. Um, and then we get a gorgeous Christmas display. Every home should have one, and it's all of, all of the dead girls.
1: That's the best. The best scene in the whole film, I think.
2: It's great. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. The girls are all propped up around the Christmas tree with no eyes, and Eve's head is on the top of the tree like a fairy.
1: You know i do need I do need a top off of me tree. i've, I've... and <laughs> nice
0: as
2: balls as well, isn't it yeah. yeah yeah, um, and then Agnes you are my family now, um and she looks and sounds just like the actor Brad Dorif, who was the voice of Chucky, yeah <laughs> um and I did genuinely think it was him at one point, but it's not um and then basically she says, um. Lee, uh, Kelly screams at Agnes that, you know, Billy's not here, your brother's not here. And she says, my daddy's here. And then Billy and Mary just through the floorboards and the house catches fire and it all becomes a big fiery climax as the house burns around them. Kelly's trapped in the walls. Lee is trying to get her free. And then um, it's a big fiery climax and the girls escape. Much like Scream 4, it goes beyond its natural ending and ends up in a local hospital. Um, and, and then... Um, I mean, it's very screen for. It's very screen for, yeah. Especially the use of the defibrillator pads as well. Yeah. Um. So Billy and Agnes are brought to the morgue, but obviously they're not dead. And it becomes a stalk through a surprisingly empty hospital. So Agnes kills Lee. And then when Kelly comes back from her x-rays, yeah, you've got the moment with Billy coming down through the ceiling. And this is where uh, Kelly fights back using the defibrillators. Yeah. Um, but, but she kills Agnes with the defibrillators and then Billy is still alive and chases her, basically. So he chases her through the hospital and they have a big tussle on over the balcony and then Billy goes flying over the balcony and, and is impaled on a giant Christmas tree. What an ending. What an ending.
1: Just
0: take uh,
2: short shorter
1: the film would have been if they met her first and she just killed both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else.
2: the original version of the script so after a little bit of research from what you can gather online the original version of the script didn't have cannibalism it didn't have eyeball eating it didn't have Billy and Agnes at the end, and it didn't it didn't have the mental hospital stuff. Um, and what happened was, it basically opened with the Billy flashback stuff, hmm. and then cut to present day in the sorority house, and then went from there. So you thought throughout the film that Billy was killing the girls, but then the twist the twist was that it was Agnes and not Billy. So that's how. That's how the original panned out. That's a more coherent story. So it's a story. <laughs> it's a cohesive story. Um, basically, the Weinstein's came in and said, "No, we need more gore. Um, you know, saw as saw was flying high at the time. Mm. Yeah. Saw three. Saw three was out yeah. at the same time as this because I saw both of them on the same day. Um, that
1: trailer yeah. you linked to the other day, I even was yeah. saying that. That's trying to just copy Saw. So the voice on yeah. the end of yeah. being like really, it's just Saw. So, it's it's the Saw voice.
2: It is. So they wanted to go first, basically. So they were saying, "You have to put in the stuff in the mental institution. We want to we want a psychopath break it out of a mental hospital." Whereas Morgan was like, "But that doesn't make sense because the killings have started already." And they're like, "Yeah, well, you have to fix that." So that's why you have the two killers. Um, they were basically thrown all the thrown all those ideas in there. So that's why it's sort of come out as a bit of a mess.
3: Yeah, logic wise, why does the daughter sister not tell anyone else prior to this Christmas that Billy just happened to escape on? Like, did they? Yeah, they ring. Yeah. Just don't
1: think about it. It's fine. Just don't think about it and move on.
3: <laughs> you shouldn't.
0: This isn't a film to think about or intellectualise at all. No. No.
3: Definitely with, not. My brain hurts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, so Agnes was played by a crew member called Dean Friss, so it's a man playing Agnes. Um and in you, the
1: can script, tell, Colin. you can tell Carn
2: I think. You can totally tell. And then in the script, she's described as having a disturbing androgyny. <laughs> 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 uh, the, was, the world was a very different place. Very different. Um, um, so he was always going to be—he he was going to be cast as Billy. But then when they changed it to Agnes, he decides, "Oh, it will be more freaky if we make him Agnes."
1: feel bad now for mocking that
2: guy which one the
1: director director. oh yeah i mean
2: when you see when you see him in interviews and you read stuff that he says he's he's very bitter about the whole thing and you know don't blame him but he went in there with these sorts of so bob clark who directed the original black christmas he was on set with him and he was he was sort of lightly involved um, yeah, he had got like a producer credit
1: somewhere at
2: the end, doesn't he? Yeah, he's an exact
1: the, so, the sanatorium's named after him as well, isn't it? It's the Clark sanatorium.
2: Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Glenn Morgan did sort of go into it with kind of lofty goals of, of expanding on the stuff that Bob Clark couldn't expand on in the original, so giving the backstory and talking about themes, about family, about how strange Christmas is and the, the mm-hmm. dark sides of Christmas. And he, he did have all, like a lot of these sort of ambitions for the film. So, But what I thought was interesting was one of his inspirations for Billy's backstory came from the serial killer Edmund Kemper. Mm. Um, Stephen, you're our serial killer person. Tell us about him.
3: Edmund Kemper. Um, yeah. so he was the killer. Yeah. He killed his nan when he was 15. Um, shot her twice. And then as his granddad was coming home, he killed him so that he wouldn't find his mandate, but he got sent to an insane asylum like basically because he said he was too young
0: yeah.
3: um, and he was such a model prisoner there that they let him do the psych tests on other patients,
2: Wow!
3: He then <laughs> learned how the psych tests worked so that he could use that to get himself early, early release. That's amazing and then he went on to i think kill another six people and right he would he did everything so he stabbed he strangled he suffocated but he they just chopped the heads off and then um have sex with the severed head wow
1: nice
3: um including his mother's severed head wow um, which he then put on the side and played darts with um, <laughs> Um, played arts of it and shouted at it for an hour, he said, before trying to put it down a trash decomposer where her vocal cords wouldn't break up, which he said was very fitting because she loved to shout at him. Wow. Oh. That's... He's a good serial killer. He's quite interesting.
0: He once Fine. said, he once said, when I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part of me wants to take her out, talk to her, be real nice and sweet, and treat her right. The other part wonders, what would her head look like on a stick? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> What's up <in> there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing.
3: Oh. Um, if, if you want to hear him, you can... He basically recorded audio books in prison. As part of a charity event, Amazing. so you can listen to him um, tell you Star Wars. No, you can listen to him talk, uh, tell you the story of Flowers in the Attic, which is about incest, and
2: be really <laughs> locked
3: in, in the attic, and be locked. Seems very. Appropriate. There's a nice little sound snippet of that if you're online, which is sufficiently creepy. <laughs>
2: Because I read I read a little bit about him and what I thought was interesting was when he was, when so when he was, like, young, like, a kid and a teenager, didn't his mum actually lock him in the basement because she was, she was like, crazy too. And she was convinced that he was going to rape women and rape her.
3: Yeah, I think the entire family was fucked up because his mm. sister also tried to kill him twice. Wow. She tried to push him in front of a train and she tried to drown him in a pool. Oh my god. Online there's no kind of reason why she done that given. it's yeah. just that it happened. Wow.
1: He was involved wasn't he involved in like the early FBI stuff as well.
3: Yeah, that's why he's in that mind hunter because he helped develop like the psychology kind of the profiling of
1: serial killers. He was fine him in that Yeah. He was uh, freakishly
2: tall as well, wasn't he? Six nine or something. Yeah. Scary stuff. So you can see where the inspiration came from. So Morgan has gone into this film, taken inspiration from him, and thinking, right, I'm going to make something really different, something that really stand out. I feel like he did have high hopes for it. And then just as that Weinstein machine, has just sort of crushed him as he's gone along, really. So that's why we've ended up with this hot mess. That I feel like it is a shame, because I've seen the stuff that he's done on TV, and he was a really good writer for The X-Files and Millennium.
1: I fact, say, fact, Millennium, Millennium and X-Files were good
2: shows. They were good, and um, there was a lot of talent involved there that that, that came onto this film as well. Um, so, you, you know, you've got his talent, you've got the cast, those girls in the cast are all really good. They're all really mm. good at what they do. And in, in As Stephen says, in other films, you see them shine more. Um, and you know Andrea Martin playing Mrs Mac. There's there's loads of stuff in there that had so much potential, but just sort of sits there and and is broken up by these uh, heavy-handed slasher elements that on their own are quite sort of you know there's moments in it that are quite fun. I do like the trashiness to it. I do like the B movie black humour in it. But as as a whole film, you can see. You could see, really see what they tried to do. I felt so much for for um, Glenn Morgan, because when you read,
0: I think you do get a real sense of just what could have been, and you, Bob Clark was really encouraging about what yeah. Glenn Morgan's ideas were, and I think he was optimistic about it. You know, Glenn Morgan wanted to flesh out bits, you know, this wasn't going to be a straightforward remake, it was going to be have elements of the old film, but really trying to build build on it and flesh out parts of the the mm. first film that that you know, that weren't touched on particularly. And I think you know, that B movie feel and sort of the cheeky, you know, the cheeky winks to the viewer, or that you know, they could have added up to so much, couldn't they? And and you know, you do just get this sense of just a clumsy commercial shit of the wild things yeah. just ruining it. Yeah. Ruining it all. And that I think is. there's some of those some moments where you can just see just how they really symbolise that to some you know, there's some moments where the special effects you are are awful. Billy's makeup for his John, especially when he's a boy is terrible. You can really see, you can always see the grain of the makeup and I don't have a HD telly. Um <laughs> and the, there's there's um Eve's head is very obviously papier mache and <laughs> there's one murder where I think it might be i think it might be Michelle Trachtenberg's character's murder where she's fallen forward and it falls forward and then you see you see a very you see a very lifelike very very obvious. Papier mâché model hit the ground, <laughs> and it's it's yeah you know, it's
2: yeah
0: there's been no effort to actually
2: yeah
0: you know, filter those those moments that you use so it's seamless. Because obviously um, if, it was, you know, if it's Glenn Morgan's job, and he's just lost heart and doesn't want to make effort with those bits.
2: Well, that's it. Yeah, I um, And as I say, the so the alternative death for Michelle big with the ice skates across the head that's the one death in the film that's different from the others and that was the one that was Glenn Morgan's idea. Yeah. So all the other stuff with the eyes was well the Weinsteins. Also, I feel like it completely sums up that sort wow. of cynical, depressing Hollywood machine. Um, I feel like that's completely sums up by the, the situation with the trailer um, because basically, so after the film was shot, Glenn Morgan got a call from the Weinstein saying, oh, we need to do some pickups for the trailer and gave him like, you know, a sort of vague idea of what he wanted to do and he was like, by that point, he was just like, "Whatever, do whatever the fuck you want to do." I don't want anything to do with it. But what he didn't realize was that they they got like members of the cast back to do whole scenes to shoot whole scenes that weren't even in the film. So there's a shot of Michelle tracks with the with a shotgun, and she opened. So they opened the um, the front door of the sorority house, and she says, "Merry Christmas, motherfucker!" Yeah. and shoot someone. There's someone trapped under the frozen lake. There's someone fallen off a roof. So all of these moments builds up the audience expectations, and then they're not even there in the film. Yeah. So they're just... not even there in the film, and they're, they're, so those producers don't even care that audiences are going to get there and go, "Hang on, that's not even in this film." It just shows you what what little regard they've got for the actual creative sides of it, you know. Mm. And I feel I think that's really fucking depressing.
1: As long as you're paying your money, they don't care. Yeah, and multiple
3: of the things of this film could have been solved if we just spent more time with the girls, with yeah. nice, fun character moments where they were bitchy and fighting or having a laugh together. And I would have completely forgive all the other shit. Yeah. But none of the fun stuff happens. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, it's true. They just, just remember, they it's Harvey's <laughs> peaceful. It is. It's Harvey. Although, um, when you look at the stuff that is written for. Uh, about uh, what Glenn Morgan's had to say about the whole situation, he always mentions Bob. Yeah, so right. I think I think Bob was just yeah. as bad, really. Yeah. Um, but Stephen's right. The, the only moments we get of the girls before they all start getting killed, they're just sort of sitting on the couch bitching, and there's literally nothing there that makes you differentiate the characters, love any of the characters. You know, they're literally just cookie-cutter fodder. The original, So the original ending, which you can see on YouTube, the original ending has Lee and, and Kelly in the hospital, uh, and they're talking about sisters, and, and Lee's talking about how much she misses Claire and how much she regrets not, not seeing her and all that sort of stuff. And then that's basically all that happens, and then Kelly gets a phone call, and then she looks at the phone, and it says Billy on the phone. And then, it, and then it pans out, it pans out from, from the hospital room to to the, uh, exterior shots of the hospital. And you can see there's an attic in the hospital and there's there's like a Santa sitting in a rocking chair. Um, and that's it, that's the ending. Mm. Um, but the Weinstein's didn't like that. They wanted to go, so that's why you get the stuff with the defibrillator and impels on a tree and all that sort of stuff. Um mm. So, they yeah. obviously
0: had high expectations for this film because it's 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 called a flop and obviously artistically it's a bit of a flop. Yeah, it was a relatively low budget film, nine million dollars, and it made twenty odd million in the box office. Yeah, and maybe thirty million on DVD. So they it, you it didn't lose money mm. by any stretch oh. of the imagination. Yeah, you know, it it. It made it well, made back its budget, but obviously, they obviously the ones yeah. who thought this was going to be I know. You know, a blockbuster of tens of millions of
2: hundreds of millions of pounds. It was critically, it was critically slaughtered, and <clears throat> um, it took like a moderate amount, as you say, Martin, but it still actually did better than the most recent Black Christmas, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They still actually did better. Um so Black Christmas 2019, which is a whole other podcast. That was actually a fir- that was a first draft of a script that was that was filmed.
3: That um, is actually a much better film.
2: You're kidding.
3: I I will defend no. that film I think it's quite good. No. It's level no, 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 no. woof. But no. I enjoyed no. it. I did not hate. Well I did not hate it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. This yes, I hated.
2: Right. Okay. Well I I didn't I didn't hate the new one as much as a lot of other people did, but I feel like this film is at least more fun than that film was.
3: Although I can honestly say I've watched three versions of Black Christmas and I don't particularly love any of them.
2: You don't love the original?
3: No, I think it's okay, it was good. But like Oh
2: I thought I thought you really liked that. Oh. Um well the original's a classic and it's very I, like, I like
1: it anyway, don't yeah. it's fine. I do. Well
2: the the original the the thing with the original is it was a progressive film made in the seventies with three strong female leads, all very distinctive characters, very realistic uh, friendship between the three of them. Hmm. And and the the protagonist was a was a young girl in the seventies who was getting an abortion and were like, no, this is what I'm doing. I have ownership of my body. Yeah. Um, so it was a film that was it was a feminist horror film in a way. Um, I it think is
3: it's a much better film and it's a good film, but it's not my favourite. Yeah, yeah, not my favourite is more the thing.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I suppose I, I suppose what you can say though is the three films are all completely different. One one thing I think is good about this version we discussed today is that it didn't try to just copy the original frame for frame. It tried to do its own thing, and you could say that about the new one as well. Yeah, definitely. Although
1: um. well, to be fair, I think one of the strongest points and one of the one of the points about the original that most people comment on is like the the kind of the lack of backstory and the fact you don't even see Billy. I think that's one of the strengths of it. And then in this and in this one, they try and explain the backstory and stuff, and it's like. That was doesn't really need it. That was one of the strengths of the original.
2: It was the done thing in the the noughties, though, wasn't it? I mean, it's the done thing now. Like, you get these horror films from the 70s, like Halloween, that exist because they are simply good horror films and don't need a backstory. And then the remake has to go and find some backstory, like the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween, does exactly what this film does and goes back and tells you the story and then then does a retread of the original. Um, And it never works.
1: It never works. I do wonder how much of it is genuinely trying to explain it, as in, or you know, is it just people are fucking stupid now, so we need things explained to them, or is it we just want to make some money, or what? I don't understand it. You know what it
3: is? It's this kind of like people see, like I've crit- maybe criticised it at some point, time, but there's no reason why he's behaving this way, and then they've gone, oh, we need to solve that problem, hmm. but there
2: was no problem. Yeah, it wasn't a problem to begin with. Well, the problem is, the problem is they're remaking an old idea. So, so they have to do something that puts their stamp on it. Uh, and now, um, basically, if you've got holes in your plot because uh, it's just not good enough, then you fill it with shit. You fill those holes with shit because the idea <laughs> isn't good enough. And that's essentially yeah. what they've done here okay. and what they did in. Um, the rap zombie halloween you fill it with crap to explain the fact that it's crap it's like it's the it,
3: you know it reminds me of the disney live action remake where they tried to solve things in like bt and the beast by being making it more woke and like kind of more sensible nowadays it but it's like but it wasn't actually a problem it was just a couple yeah. of people on the internet moaning from yeah one of it
2: yeah Exactly. And also you wouldn't have these issues if you stopped just remaking things and, and commissioned original ideas. Mm. Um but oh, there we have it. Um but there we go. All right, so so quite mixed reactions in the group then to about Black Christmas two thousand and six. Uh, I I, mean, th-
1: I can oh. see I can see where there was possibly a fun film there to begin with, but the final product is just mostly a turd.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. It is the second viewing of this film, which I didn't realise until most of the way through. And I can honestly say, I never want to see it again. <laughs> oh,
2: gosh. And Martin, your final, your final
0: thoughts? I mean, I would, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it again, but I would. I wouldn't object to
2: it. Yeah. Um, whereas I seem to enjoy it more the more I watch it, so I'll probably watch it again. Um, but, you know, I just... Uh, I
1: That's do like
2: but like Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah, 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 I think it's just you know what we've all got. The, we've all got those hot messes from the noughties that we that we like, and we'll defend the hilt. You know, no, like uh, this bad. house. You know, like House of Wax came out here before this, and I think that is atrocious.
3: Um, oh, a um, um,
2: Exactly. So there you go. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe this film was a bit better with Paris Hilton in it.
0: Completely, Paris Hilton as Agnes.
2: As Agnes, <laughs> as Agnes. Um, so there we have it, Black Christmas. If you want to see that this version of the film, you can catch the uh, R-rated American version on YouTube. You can't get it on Blu-ray unless you pay a lot of money for an out-of-print American copy, or you buy the German version that I've got, which I only paid eight, eight quid for, so that's fine. Um, or there's an unrated DVD out there as well, which I've got. So. You can see it if you want to. If you want to punish yourself this Christmas, do it. It's like
3: Amazon
2: oh. Prime. I was on Amazon Prime as well. Yeah. Um, so thanks, boys. I hope you all have a lovely Christmas and don't get your eyes gouged out <laughs> by anyone who was um, disturbingly androgynous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i miss listening <enough>, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stephen, where can we find you?
3: Um, at HD99 on Twitter
2: Jonathan Butler, where can we find you? Oh, I don't use Twitter anymore, I'm talking trash Oh, you've come off, good, okay um, Martin, what about you? I'll be in the
0: attic having a, an eyeball mint pie <laughs> Oh, nice,
2: nice um, And uh, I'll be drinking tequilas and throwing up in the bathroom You can can also get me at Johnny Larkin on Twitter. So, thanks for listening and have a wonderful Christmas. And we will see you in 2021 when obviously things are going to be 10 times better than they are now. (laughs) There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Christmas
3: from your friends and family at the Clark Sanitarium.
1: Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy birthday. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying.